Take your Bibles and join me in Mark chapter 4. Last week I did the introductory sermon for this section. So I'm going to briefly mention some of that, but very, very briefly, because you can go back and listen to that. By the way, all of our, all of our, um, all of our sermons are on iTunes and Podbean. I could not think of that. Thank you, Jay. Podbean if you have Android. iTunes if you um, have an iPhone. All right. So you can find it there. I would encourage you to subscribe. I'm assuming it works the same way on Podbean. Am I right? You can subscribe on it. And then it'll they'll automatically drop in your box. And that's what I want you to do so you can have that. You got your copy of God's Word open? I use a New King James Version. I don't live and die on that hill. My, my daily Bible reading right now is from the Christian Standard Bible, and I am loving it. I love that version. Very, very good. I like the ESV. I even like the NIV. That was Jim Williams's um, um, daily devotion was out of the NIV. So I don't, I don't, now there are some I wouldn't recommend heavy doses of, but we're, we're not one of those churches that is, is uh, only one version. All that being said, follow along with me beginning in verse 1. And again, he began to teach by the sea and a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea natural amphitheater there and he taught them many things by parables you've got your own bible underline that by parables and he said to them here's his first parable listen behold a sower went out to sow a sower is a farmer someone who plants seed and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth but when the sun was up it was scorched and because it had no root it withered away verse 7 and some seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop but other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. As I share with you the, the New English translation, I like even better. He who has ears to hear had better listen. So It's literally what it says. So he begins and ends this parable with the same word, which is listen. Listen, listen. All right, then he says this. But when he was alone... Those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable, and he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. So this was a judgment on the unbelief especially the religious leaders. Verse 13, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. 
and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake immediately they stumble verse 18 now these are the ones among the thorns they are the ones who hear the word and the cares of the world the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful but those are the ones sown on good ground but these are the ones sown on good ground those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit some 30 some 60 and some 100 fold this is the word of the lord and may god add his blessing to the reading of his word i want to talk to you today about soil maintenance now this is not a father's day sermon but boy it, it couldn't apply more uh, to men in this room today we are responsible to do our job to till the soil the hearts of the children that god have put in our home amen and i'm getting ahead of myself but i can't help it i'm just going to tell you you want to know the best way to do that Make sure your heart has good soil. And we're going to look at that today. I'm so glad all these kids are here today. You're going to like this next part, kids. I found this, and it was, I rarely do this, but it was so good. I said, I got to show this, and the kids will love it. So uh, we're going to show a little cartoon here that is basically the parable of the sower. So let's take two minutes and watch this together. One day, a farmer went out to sow some seeds. As he walked along, he threw the seeds wherever he went. Each seed was the same, bright and green and full of the potential for life. Some of the seeds fell on stony ground there was nowhere for their roots to grow. They just sat there. Birds spotted the seeds from the air. They flew down and ate them up. Some seeds fell on rocky places where there wasn't much soil. They quickly grew at first, but the soil was shallow. And when the sun came up, they withered and died because they had no root. Some other seeds fell among thorns. The seeds started to grow, but the thorns grew bigger and they choked the new plants, so they didn't produce any crop. They just disappeared.
But other seeds fell on good soil. They grew and grew, strong and bright, and the life in the seeds bore an amazing crop. Some with thirty grains, some sixty, and some even a hundred grains of corn. Good. I thought that was very well done. <clears throat> All right. Uh, the parable of the soils. Y'all familiar with it? All right. It's so powerful. Um, last week I did a whole sermon on Can You Hear Me Now? And I kind of broke apart um, the whole introduction of this thing. I encourage you to go back and listen to it. But but the first point was the setting, and under the setting of where Jesus told us was the press, the crowd, the parables. It's the parables itself, why he was going to parables, and then the purpose. Um, and remember I told you last week, a parable is a story that you get to reveal a truth that you don't. All right? It's a story you understand in order to reveal a spiritual truth that you don't understand. And it helps you. It's an illustration, an analogy, if you will. But the purpose is interesting, and I'm giving you this whole sermon in like one minute. The purpose Jesus stated is that um, he shifts to parables for his primary style of teaching to reveal kingdom realities to his followers and to conceal kingdom realities from his foes. The people that were his enemies, the religious leaders, the, stone, the, 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 the hardened path people which in this parable, he told these stories so that they would not understand and not receive it. And that's really important. So the parables were a judgment on the people who did not believe. Um, someone has once said, the head has not heard until the heart has listened. How many of you ever heard something with your ears but hadn't sunk to your heart? Right? Anybody, any fellows in here that are married? You've done that. Right? No, I'm serious. Right? Your wife will say something and you hear it with these radar dishes. Right? But it's, you're not getting it. And how many of you women know what I'm talking about? Right? Yeah. And all the ladies said, amen. <laughs> right? So this is what, so I say that to say, this is how it works, how these parables work. So number two is our number one for today, and that's the sower. So let's take a minute and look at the sower himself. All Jesus says is, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. Now I think, very possible, that there was a guy over here on the side in one of those terraces and a little field, there might have been a guy out there actually doing this. And Jesus points says, look, see that guy? Here's a sower. He went out to sow. Who is the sower in the story? Yeah, absolutely. The, the, uh, the sower in the story first is King Jesus. So first, the actual sower in this story is Jesus himself. He's the one that does all the teaching, all the preaching. He's the one that goes and tells the the good news of the kingdom, it's all Jesus. Now, that's first. Then, after him was the first disciples, which we're going to see here in just a little bit. Not today, but in the, in the, in the near future, he's going to send out 70 of them, right? And they're all going to go out in groups of two. And they're going to do exactly what Jesus was doing. So then they're going to start sowing, throwing out seed. And then lastly, I think, by way of application, it also includes future disciples, which wouldn't that be you and I? right we are the future disciples of the kingdom and we're the ones who are going to uh eventually 
in Jesus' mind and plan, we're the ones that are going to be uh, uh, casting and throwing out that seed, the word of truth. Amen? That makes sense to you today. So that's the sower. That's the who. It's Jesus. It's the first disciples. And then it's future followers. That's you and I. All right? Then the next question is the how. How was this sowing done? Now, I am going to tell you, it was done a little bit differently in the first century. How many of you have a garden in here? Anybody have a garden? I think I saw pictures. Your garden's really starting to grow, isn't it? Somewhat. <laughs> I have a brown thumb. I don't know. I, I always blame it on the soil around here. But I, Janice, you, you know how to grow stuff. You gotta, she, she, she's a master gardener back there. Uh, now, you know how we do it? I remember doing this as a kid. We always loved planting day. Uh, Dad, had a thir- Dad would always follow the farmer's almanac. You know, whenever it said to plant, that's when we planted. And the cool thing about that for us was we got to go fishing that morning. And we would take a big old garbage bag to the irrigation pond, and we would catch as many brim as we could fish. And we would do it the old Indian way. When we planted our squash, we would dig a hole, put two or three fish in there, put some dirt on top of it, and then put our seeds. And as the fish um, rotted, I can't, what's a nicer word for rot? Decompose. As a fish decomposed, it was like fertilizer, so our stuff grew. But I remember we would have to get, the, we would have to get our, our area behind our barn. We had to till that up. We had a rototiller. We had to till it up and get it all ready, get the rows ready, dig the holes where we're going to have mounding plants like squash and cucumbers. We get that all ready first. That's not how they did it in the first century. In the first century, that guy just got out there. Sam, if you want to throw that next picture up. That guy would get out. You see this picture here? That is actually an old picture of, of what's called the broadcast method of sowing. And you'll notice, does that ground look plowed? It's not. Here's what they would do. They would literally, they had these big, sometimes it would be a sack they would wear around them and all the seed would be in here. Other times it's almost like a big basket. They actually have a, a, a rim around that uh, sack that they're wearing so they can get to the seed. And notice that last guy on the end. He is throwing that. You can actually see the seed going out in an arc. And it's meant to get the seed everywhere. All over. But it's laying where when you do it like that? On the top. And here's what they would do. They threw that seed everywhere indiscriminately. But when they were done, they would turn around and then then they would go over it with the plow. And they would plow the seed into the ground. That makes sense? It's very different from the way we do it today. So it was the broadcast method. It went everywhere um, and they did it liberally. They threw lots of seed out, right? And then they would go behind right away and plow that seed into the ground and I think the application is pretty clear here just jot this down in your outline Mark chapter 16 verse 15 on the screen Mark's Mark chapter 15 and verse 16 and we'll get to that when we finish Mark but Jesus said to them go into all the world and preach the gospel to who every creature so again the gospel the word goes out to who church everybody and whose job is that today? Ours. We're the future disciples, right? We are the, we're the, it's our job to, to broadcast the good news of, the, of, of repenting, believing, and following Jesus, right? That's our job. And dads, I want to tell you something. That's your primary job in your home as, as the pastor of, of, of the church in your house is to help those little ones get their hearts ready to receive that word. All right, that, that, that's our primary job. 
All right, so that's the sower. Let's look at the seed. The seed is interesting. Um, Jesus makes it pretty clear about the seed. He, he tells us, if you're, if you're in chapter 4, I should have wrote this down in my, I don't think I did, I did not. Um, the seed is the word of God. Matthew tells us it's the, it's the word of the kingdom. or the, I would call that the kingdom gospel. Look at verse um, 14. Jesus says, the sower sows the word, the word. In, in Matthew's retelling of this story, he says, the sower sows the word of the kingdom, right? And what does John call Jesus? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, right? So we have the word here. Uh, it's Jesus himself. It's the word of God, and... It's the word of the kingdom or the kingdom gospel. Does anyone remember the three components of the kingdom gospel, which I already gave you? Repent of your sin. Believe that Jesus is the only way, the only answer. Believe that he died for you, was buried, resurrected, and is ascended at the right hand of the Father. And then what? Follow him. There is a follow me commitment. Not that you're doing that to get salvation. Look, you're doing that because you have salvation, right? It's root to fruit, not the other way around. And, and, and this is so cool for us because here's the reality. I love this. Listen to me. There's nothing wrong with the seed. Don't miss this. The seed works. It's good seed, right? The same seed on the hard path that gets eaten by birds is exactly the same as the seed on a good soil that goes down into the ground and bears 30, 60, 100 times the amount. You with me? If you get nothing else today, get that. One day, you and I and our children are going to stand before a holy and a righteous God to give an account for our lives and to give an account for, listen to me, for what we have done or not done with that seed. The problem is not on God's side. You ready for this? The problem's on my side. The problem isn't the seed, it's the soil. And so that's why I call this soil maintenance. I want to give you some hopefully super practical advice on how to, how to make, keep that soil of your heart, of your life, uh, unencumbered and unburdened by stuff that can mess up the Word of God and destroy it and cause you not to be a fruit-bearing follower. <coughs> so that's the seed, all right? Now, the, now let's go to the main thing, which is the soil. This has often been called the parable of the soils. But I'm not going to lie to you. The most encouraging thing to me here so far, and even when I'm done with it, is the power of the seed. The seed works, uh, and, I, and I love that that's true. Let's look at the soil. Here's a quote I thought was pretty good. The condition of the soil determined the potential for growth. The condition of the soil determined the potential for growth. The same seed is sown. It's the seed. It's not the seed that's the problem. It's us that's the problem. Amen. So let's look at those seeds. We'll pick it right up here in um, 
Verse 4, And it happened that as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. I call this the hard heart. Number one is the hard heart. We see that in verse 4. And then Jesus' explanation. Aren't you glad we got the, the unlock this parable? He explains it to the disciples. I said last week, this is a paradigm parable. If you don't understand this parable, you're not going to understand the rest. Then you must. Amen? Amen? We got to understand it. We got we to have ears that hear through, through audibly and also spiritually. So Jesus said, put your spiritual ears on. I'm going to give you the key to this one. And also, this is the key to all of them. That's why I'm talking in parables. So important. I, I can't stress this enough. Let's look at verse 15. Let's see what Jesus says about this. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, by the way, notice that, they hear. Are you with me? Did those Pharisees and scribes audibly hear Jesus tell this parable? Yep, they sure did. They heard with these ears, right? Notice what happens, though. Because you, you wonder, I mean, it's the same See, how come, how come some of that crowd, well, you know, eventually will give their lives casting out this seed and working in the mission of Jesus. And others were intent on murdering the Son of God. What's the difference? Not the seed. It's the heart. And notice what it says. They're sown on the wayside where the word is sown. So it's sitting there. Now notice this. And when they hear, they hear. Satan comes. Notice this next one. What's, what's, John, what's Mark's favorite word? Immediately. Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now, every field, we saw this earlier when Jesus' disciples were walking through the grain field on the way to synagogue on that Saturday. And the Bible says they just reached out and got some of the pellets of grain off of there and they, they rubbed them in their hand were eating them and they got all upset because they said that's harvesting which is silly god's word doesn't say that that was man's tradition but how is it they were walking through a field i mean that's a big no-no you don't walk through somebody's garden because every field had a series and a network of pathways hardened hardened soil that was intended to walk through your field it's like a sidewalk. It was so hard. And, and, and Jesus is explaining here that the scribes and the religious leaders, who, by the way, had committed blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, the unpardonable sin, that they, they did hear what Jesus was saying, but Satan came. They had such hard hearts that Satan came, and he took the word right off the top of their hard heart. Because if he didn't, and it penetrated, they would believe and repent. And Jesus said they had cursed themselves by their unbelief. Jot this down in your outline. Hebrews 3.13 says this, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, listen, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Here's what I know. I got to do the math, but I think I've been in the ministry for 37 years. Um, here's what I know. Scratch my head sometimes. I had one guy in particular that came and he sat right there where Jennifer is for about six years, every Sunday. And every Sunday, that seed sat on the hardened ground of his heart. And before he ever left the building, Satan had come and snatched that seed out of his heart. And he never responded to the gospel. 
How many of you realize today, right now, Satan wants to snatch that seed that you're hearing right now. He wants to take it away. And sometimes our hearts are so hard, as, as the writer of Hebrews says, it's hardened by sins. We have been tricked by sin. We got hard hearts, and the word just sits there. It's like we're commanded to break up the, the fallow ground, the hard ground of our hearts. We'll talk about how to do that in a minute. Real quick, uh, letter B, a hollow heart. The reason I call this hollow is another word for shallow. Verses 5 and 6 and verse 16. Look at verse 5. Some seed fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth. So in other words, this ground had more rocks than it did what? Dirt. You know, you ever, you ever had ground like that? We used to grow potatoes. And really, we thought we were growing rocks. Every spring, we, when we dug up that ground, we would go behind the, the uh, tractor and we would pick up stones and rocks and throw them on the trailer. And we always had a big rock pile. Every potato field had a big rock pile on the southwest corner of the field. I don't know what the deal is with southwest, but every field was the same. And they were out there. If anybody in the neighborhood needed stones or rocks, they would come to any potato field and get all you want. Right? Why, did we, why did we go through that? Because we knew that those rocks would get in the way of those potatoes, which is a root vegetable, forming and growing. Right? They would impede the growth. So he says here in verse number 5, some fell on stony ground, didn't have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. Right? So in other words, think about this for a minute. The seed goes in the ground. And this idea is, remember the picture, they're going to they're gonna put it under the ground after they throw it out there. This is the idea of, of almost a bedrock. Uh, think of a little bit of dirt on top of a sidewalk. This is really rocky ground where what happens is it can go down about an inch deep with their roots, but that's not deep enough. And when it can't go down anymore, where does a plant go? It goes up. When it can no longer go down, it goes up. Um, the roots can only go so far. And so it shoots up out of the ground. Here's the problem. The Middle East is hot. You think it's hot here? The Middle East is horribly hot. And why do you need deep roots? Because that really hot sun is going to literally suck up and evaporate the water in the first foot of soil. But if you can get past that first foot of soil and get down a little bit deeper, you get into the water table. That soil is damp, right? And when your roots go down, you start to get enough moisture to counteract the heat of the sun. You follow me? But when you can't get down there, the only option is to go what? Up. And it springs up in these people. And they grow up. Then the sun comes out, and they're gone. Why are they gone? They're not down to that water table yet. They don't have any moisture. They have no root. And Jesus is going to explain this to the, to the guys, verse 6. But when the sun came up, it was scorched. Because it had no root, it withered away. And then look at verse um, 16, real quick. These, likewise, are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness and verse 17 they have no root in themselves if you got your own bible underline themselves 
They have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Now Jesus is going to tell them exactly what the son means. Otherwise we'd be guessing. Afterward, when, here it is, tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, for the sake of our faith, for the sake of the gospel, what happens to them? Immediately they stumble. Right? Notice this. They didn't have any root where? In themselves. Their lies did not go down deep. They were not, these are the undiscipled ones. They have no root in the faith. They have no knowledge. They have no intimate walk with Christ. And when the sun comes out because they don't have enough roots, the first time someone makes fun of them, the first time being a Christian costs them something, the first time they are confronted with having to make a righteous choice or else, they're done. But they receive the word with gladness. Oh, memory, don't you know? You, you, you could be my witness this morning. How many people can we remember that came through this church and received the word with gladness? And in three months, six months, a year, they're right back in the gutter. The world, the, the, the world has gotten them because they had no root. They had no root. It's so sad, but it's true. In the hard heart, listen to this. The seed can't get in. That's the hard heart. The seed can't penetrate, can't get in. In the hollow heart, the seed can't get down. Hard heart, it can't get in. In the, in the shallow or the hollow heart, it can't go down. Just jot this down, Luke 9, 62. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You're not ready for the kingdom of God. Listen, can I say this? I'm going to say it anyway, but I don't mean this harshly. The kingdom's not for quitters. Did y'all hear that? The kingdom of God is not for quitters. Quitters have rocky soil. We don't quit. We're the zealots That's, that, that say with Job, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. We're the crazy people that we're going to serve God until even if we go to hell when it's all over, doesn't matter. He was worth it. We're not in it for us. We're in it for him. There's no quitters in the kingdom. That's rocky soil, people. The deep root combats the burning sun as it draws in moisture to survive and thrive. Listen to this. And turn that which could harm it and kill it into something that can help it. You see, if you've got deep enough roots, when that sun comes down and, and starts to beat on you, you're drawing moisture and sustenance for, that you need from the deep roots into the soil. And guess what? That which was designed to kill you actually helps you to grow and to, and to expand and to do well. What's the difference? Roots. How's your roots? And what rocks do you need to be digging out of your life? Don't be ashamed of him. Jesus said, you're ashamed of me before men. I'll be ashamed of you before my father. Can't make this up. The hindered heart. The next one. Verse 7 and then 18 and 19. Real quick. Let's look at verse 7. And some seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no crop. And then verse 18 and 19 tells us about that. Now these ones sown among thorns, they are the ones who hear the word. Notice every one of these hears the word. And the cares of this world, there's three things he talks about here. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. Entering in, choke the word, and it becomes what? Unfruitful. Now again. 
they throw that seed out there, then they plow it under. What they don't realize is that there's some thorns, some, some pretty, pretty strong weeds that are growing up with it. And the weeds grow faster in, in this heart. I call it the hindered heart. It, it grows faster than the grain can grow. And Jesus says these things fall into three categories. Three categories. And they are, you can see it right there in your scriptures. Um, the cares of this world. How many of you know this world's got a lot of cares? That's why Jesus says sufficient to the day is the trouble thereof. You got enough trouble. God gave you enough, sovereignly gives us enough trouble in every day to drive us to him and no more. Right? Sufficient to the day. There's a lot of cares in this world. Right? How many of you know if you're not careful, those cares of this world can choke out the word of God in you? Be careful. Then he says this, not just the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches. You know what this is saying? I have all these cares, these worries that are attacking me, and I know what the answer is. I can fix worry with money. How many of you know the more money you have, the more worries you have? <laughs> Amen? You can throw money at it all, all you want. It's not going to fix your worries. We think, well, you know what? If I just get enough money, I can insulate myself from the cares of the world. It's all a big fat lie of the enemy. Cares of this world. And then he just has a broad category and a desire for other things come in and it just chokes out that word. What's that mean, desire for other things? Other things than what? Other things than the kingdom, right? The kingdom of God. How many of you know Satan has provided a thousand and one things for you to chase today and none of them are Jesus Christ and him crucified? Amen? The seed got in. And it could go down, but in this one, it couldn't get room. How many of you, the seed has, has penetrated your soul? It's gone down in the soil, soil, but you've left no room in your life for it to do anything but disappear. We've got to be good farmers. The third condition of the heart is represented by thorns these are those who hear the word but thorns spring up and choke it this is what we would call an over-involved heart can you all say amen to that how many of us have an over-involved heart i can, any given day there are three things jesus gives in detail which are thorns that choke the life-giving word first the cares of the world worries or concerns these are people who are Concerned all the time over what's going to happen next. Worried about the situation they're facing. Fretful, anxious, troubled people who don't know how to rest. How to leave things in God's hands. But we're constantly trying to work them all out for ourselves. These people say, Jesus, uh, these people, Jesus says, are losing truth. They're losing truth. The seed has fallen upon their hearts, but it does not take root because it's choked by the thorns and they soon lose it. I've said this before. You've heard me say it here in this church. God's greatest blessings make the best idols. Yeah? I've been married to my wife for 35 years today. She is hands down the greatest blessing I've ever had. And it's easy for me to make an idol out of her. I, I, 
If I let my mind, I'm a little crazy, but I, I, if I let my mind go and, and go down this path of thinking of what would I do if I didn't have her anymore, if something happened to her, I can make myself into a crazy man in about five minutes. Can anybody relate? Any, any other insane people out there with me? Right? I can make myself nuts with, with, with a what if, Right? And the thing I've got, you know what pulls me out of that? God gave her to me. For the time that we have, I'm super selfish. I say a prayer very rarely. Lord, just take me first. She'll be fine without me. I'll be a mess without her. Uh, I worry about I worry about my kids. How many of you know your kids make a great idol? Right? Your kids can keep you from the house of God. Bad idea. And make a great idol. How many of you ever worried about your kids? My goodness, I got a text from Sam yesterday. Hey, Dad, we're going to go tubing down the Yuckmogee River. You should see the pictures that came up in my head. Right? Sam is many things. Wise is not one of them. Right? And several, several young men his age have drowned recently in Yuckmogee. There's a lot of undertow and stuff. And I started to make myself nuts. And I almost typed back no, but then I said, you know what? God, he's yours. He just came off a week at camp. You spoke to him. He's yours. And I told him, yeah, go. I remember when Paul was a baby, my oldest. We were getting ready, I think, to fly to Massachusetts to see my parents. He was just a little fellow. I didn't even know he could do this. He rolled off the changing table and hit the floor. That ever happened to any of you? Any of your babies? Okay. That's when my wife knew she married a crazy man. Because when I saw that, after she took the baby, I destroyed that changing table with my fists. I pummeled that thing into dust. And then I was so mad, I hauled it out to the dumpster. Because I took out my fear and frustration and anxiety then I had to buy a new changing table, which was stupid. I didn't have any money, right? Uh, that's how crazy I was. And I remember finally one night laying in bed because I couldn't sleep because I, I hate to tell you this, but I would, I would literally have nightmares about horrible things happening to my kid. So some of you can relate to me. And finally I said, God, I can't do this anymore. I, I cannot live like this. And God said, you're right. Give him to me. That's my kid I loaned him to you. And whatever I got for him, I got for him. You trust me. And be the best dad you can through the Holy Spirit. And stop worrying. And you know what? I, so, I don't know what happened. I was, God allowed me to do that. I said, God, that's your, that he's yours. And I stopped breaking furniture. You know? Man, be careful about the anxiety and worries. They'll, they'll choke the life of God out of you. Stop chasing the almighty dollar and just start chasing the almighty himself. Right? And then stop looking for a thousand and one other things that draw your attention away from the one thing that matters now and will matter for all of eternity. And then the last one is the humble heart, verse 8. I love it. Verse 8 and verse 20. But other seed fell on good ground, yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some 30 some 60 and some 100 fold says the same thing in verse 20 
And it did so because this good ground is everything, listen to me, that the others aren't. You hearing that? This good ground is everything that those other grounds are not. Here the seed can get in. It can get down. And listen, and it can get room. Because the soil is good. There's nothing there to impede the growth of the word of the gospel of the kingdom. So what are we to do? We need to get some stuff out of our life. We need to stop worrying. We need to stop chasing money. And stop chasing things. Start chasing him. Start pursuing the kingdom. Psalm 1 describes the root system of a fruitful believer. And it's no mistake that the root is intimately linked with the word of God. How blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is where? In the law of the Lord, the word of God. And in his law he meditates day and night. Now check this out. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. No rocky soil. And in whatever he does, he prospers. By the way, this blessed me so much when I studied this out. When it says a tree, when it says firmly planted, you know what that word is in the Hebrew? Transplanted. This is a tree that started out in the wild that is dug up and transplanted right, planted right next to an irrigation ditch. Because what do you need in the Middle East to survive? Water. Because it's the same sun that grows the good soil plant, kills the rocky soil plant. Sun is the same. The seed is the same. The only thing that changes is your heart. How is your heart? How's your heart? Jot it down, Colossians 1.10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Listen to this. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So here's a soil test for you today. Which one of these describes you? The hardened heart is an unplowed heart which results in a hardened life. The stony ground is a rootless heart which results in a superficial life. A thorny ground is a worldly heart which results in a fruitless life. And then the good ground is a dedicated heart which results in a fruitful life. So if you just had to be honest about it today, and I'm going to ask you to do that right now. If you had to be honest about it, what's your heart really look like? What's the soil condition of your heart? You say, you know, are you, are you have a rocky soil? You just, everything's surface level. When's the last time you, you dug down deep? How many of you know the sun is out in our world today? It's a scorcher. It will eat up God's word in your heart. You better have some firm, deep, deep, deep roots. And, and can I just say this kindly? You're not going to get that on your own. You need two things. You need the Holy Spirit, which you got, if you've repented. And you need, you know what you need? You need a farmer. 
you need a brother or sister in Christ that's way down the road from you and has super deep roots to take you by the hand. And when they see some stuff coming up, they're going to be the ones that help you get them rocks out of your life and dig those, dig those weeds out from around you to help you succeed. Listen, God never intended you to do this by yourself. You need people. You need the body of Christ. Amen? Where we can get like real. Here's what I'm struggling with. I'm going to name sin. Here's my worries. I'm going to lay my worries out. And you got a brother, you got a sister that's going to help you with that. We got to look at our hearts. I'm going to ask you to do that right now. I close with this. A seed, the seed of the word falls on many a soil. The fertile, the thorny, and the hard. Lest haply it fruitless in thy heart be sown. Blessed soul be thou ever on guard. Don't take this lightly. What's your heart look like today? Would you stand with me?